by the time you hear this podcast, you're going to have to fight us to get out of this room. to by the time you hear this podcast i'm greg i'm ben and we are back with episode 149 the significance of that i don't know but mm, the number of points we're gonna hang on philadelphia <laughs> i don't know let me not say In that game, game five yeah let's go hawks let's go hawks so uh everyone welcome to the podcast um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Yes, yes. And uh, as we embark on another musical journey, thank you for joining the uh, uh, the Sam and Dave of podcasting. <laughs> Hold on. No, wait, you can't see that. I So funny you say that because today um, on Facebook years ago, I made a joke about how me and Josh used to say we were going to do that really old, old R&B band. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, I want to hear some Marvin Gaye. Like, no, I'm going to play that new stuff. stuff. We're some Sam and Dave. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Shout out to Josh. But yeah, that was, I was like, how did you, that was, was like, you in my mentions? But (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even see it. Sam and Dave. We're coming. Hold on. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened so far. And if you see on the screen, you see where you can follow us, uh, listen to the podcast, subscribe, leave a review, mm-hmm. five stars. If you leave less than five stars, yeah. we're inclined to mm-hmm. presume that uh, you're a hater. Yep. Yeah. Drinking that hateration all up in this hatery. <laughs> no, it, it's, 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 it's haterade. I can't remember what he said. It's, it's holler, hateration and holleration in the dancery. In the dancery. Yeah. Yes. Either way, we don't want none of that. No, none of that, no. No matter how you put it. So, um, <clears throat> we'll get into some music news here. Um, so, there's, um, I don't know, I don't know if the if the video game world is just uh, the Wild West, 
or if it's the um, they're just doing whatever they want out there. So I don't. I haven't played this game. There's a game called Roblox. Yeah, I don't think I've played it. Either. I have not played this game. Um, I'm not even sure exactly what the game is, but I'm sure it's one of those games that people play on Twitch <laughs> rather than um, listening to music podcast or any other mm-hmm. uh, kind of content. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the National Music Publishers Association is suing the uh, the platform Roblox for copyright infringement on behalf of several music music publishers in a lawsuit seeking $200 million. Now, the uh, the association claims that Roblox actively encourages its players to utilize music from <laughs> artists like Imagine Dragons, Ed Sheeran, Ariana Grande, and others without paying appropriate licensing fees. It has become a repository for sharing unlicensed commercial music. It is no accident, according to the lawsuit. Roblox actively encourages users to upload and share popular music to make the games on its platform more appealing and attractive to its young audience, fully aware that it has not obtained the necessary permissions. And it's a global gaming... Oh, it's a gaming platform, right? I mean, it looks like one of those free-to-play games um, that, you know, then nickels and dimes you while you play it. Um, So you can use custom sounds. I mean, it's... I, I think so. It oh. sounds kind of like, um, yeah, one of those games, kind of like a maybe like a Minecraft or something like that. But but says what they the lawsuit states <laughs> that Roblox has hired more than a thousand human moderators to review each uploaded audio file, and they're missing these, and that for certain, and that searching for certain artists' names is prohibited. So the Roblox has allowed loopholes, saying that users can instead search song titles or partial terms rather than the artist's name. Mm, okay. So instead of Ariana Grande, thank you next, it's just thank next. And people can upload <laughs> people that can somehow. Find it. Okay. Well, people can find it and use it. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, but I think that uh, <clears throat> the gaming company also said that they do not tolerate copyright infringement. Well, it's 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 out there. Yeah. Uh, and we're surprised <laughs> and disappointed by this lawsuit. And they mentioned previous authorized partnerships with major labels and publishers like Lil Nas X and Zara Larson. Oh, I like Zara Larson. I mean, in this digital age, and this is something I definitely want to talk about one day, I, I kind of feel like the, the concept of intellectual property, especially copyright, is completely lost on this generation. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a box we can ever close. Um, I mean, it's just like you think that, you know, Apple did a great thing with making it cool to download music and then Spotify um, came in and really blew Napster out of the water because Napster did this first. They made it easy and accessible. Um, I guess you could say Rhapsody, too, but they made it easy and accessible to listen to music whenever, you know, like they looked at what Netflix was doing and they're like, hey, let's do that with music. Um. But at this point, you know, music has become so um, readily available and easy to get and cheap that people really don't respect intellectual property like they used to. Like, I, I mean, like, you know, 
<laughs> in the early 2000s. It just wasn't one just too long ago that Lars Ulrich was fighting the good fight to keep people from bootlegging Metallica records. And he had these artists, you know, fighting for these rights. At this point, is that even a fight that you that's worth it? Like, do you spend more money fighting that fight than you would making money off of it? Or are you just doing it just because you don't you really don't want the Wild West? Because if you don't keep fighting it, then it really then all hell really will break loose. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it is one of those like, is this a battle we should really fight kind yeah. of situation? Um, because people are always going to find ways around yeah. uh, getting copyrighted <clears throat> music. You know, people still do the, uh, the, the, they still do the file sharing in yeah. some way, but there's not a program. There's not a Kazaa or LimeWire. They're just getting torrents like now. <laughs> now it's torrents. Yeah. Uh, you know, so people are always finding ways around it. There are still sites where you can rip audio from an MP from a, from a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people are always finding ways. Um, I think that, I mean, I don't know what can be done to, to stop it or slow it down. I mean, I mean, so try to make it cool to download music, to, to stream music with a paid subscription <clears throat> Or yeah. that if it was the free version, okay, there'll be some commercials, yeah. but at least the artist, you're Just still supporting the artist and they're getting something even though it may yeah. be fractions of a penny. That still blows my mind with how easy it is to get music. Yeah. That you still have people who will just steal it. Like at that point, it almost feels like you're just being spiteful. Now, I will say, and I'm not going to name people by names, but there are some people that... um that say, well, I want to support the artist and not the the corporation. And so they'll buy tickets and merch, but they won't buy records or stream records. And I'm sorry to tell you people, that's why we have 360 deals, because they, once again, these people have created a billion trillion dollar industry for a reason. They thought of that. So yeah. you think that you're like, oh, I'll go buy a shirt. Okay, you're still yeah, helping the corporation. You're still helping. You want to buy a ticket? You're still helping yeah, the corporation. They, they get a piece of that tour. So why not? You know, and this is kind of where we are. You know, it's like you know when I'll go see their movie. They get a piece of that movie. Yeah, when <laughs> when we stop buying their music, this is kind of the record companies evolve because if there's one thing they're going to hold on to, they're going to do everything they can to not die. At least the big enough ones. Yeah. So as I don't know that that still kind of gets me that there's people out there who still as easy as it is a Spotify subscription is less than $10 a month and you can stream all you want and there's so little music that's not on there that it's it's almost kind of like you know the you wouldn't even notice <laughs> yeah. that there's certain songs aren't, that aren't on there and honestly be, to be real somebody on Facebook I know posted it's 2021 Garth Brooks what are you trying to prove <laughs> Like, what are you trying to prove? Like, he's still not, you know, on Spotify. You have all these holdouts that are finally coming around, you know, because, you know, these, you know, I don't want to say dinosaurs, but I mean, they're people like, you know, Led Zeppelin, who held out for the longest time. Tool held out for the longest time. Um, Aaliyah, but that's a different story because her uncle's crazy, yeah. is holding out. But it's just like, yeah, it's 2021, bro. What are you trying to prove? Or like, when Taylor took her stuff yeah. off and then it came back on. Yeah. Or with Jay-Z. Because yeah. he had his own platform. But title, yeah. But now, but then he's like, well. Beyonce's I mean, record company put an end to that. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, you will not do that. <laughs> so it, people try to find ways around it, but it's, 
yeah you're you're you are raging against the machine um the the machine of pirating music yeah but and what makes is me gonna, is going to find other ways you and i've seen some people and i mean this is all over reddit people who just pirate 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 oh well pirating actually helps it become more popular no it doesn't it doesn't look remember <laughs> we talked about I, I think we mentioned it how um the well, with the Super Bowl halftime show, mm-hmm. the artist does not get paid. No. Okay. <clears throat> and how we talked about how with the Grammys, they approached Tiffany Haddish to po- to host it for nothing. Yeah. Like, it'll be good for exposure. Look, I'm not an <laughs> independent artist. Yeah. It's so funny, too. Like, <laughs> trying to, like, just, oh, I just want to get my name out there. Platinum artists playing for exposure. Like, if you're trying to book at Smith's Old Bar, you don't stand a chance. <laughs> like, you don't stand. Like, if Coldplay will play for exposure, bro, who are you? <laughs> Come and get this exposure. <laughs> like, it's, And I feel bad because it's something that, like, it's a bad joke in, in artist circles, but it's just something that musicians have had to deal with for so long. You know, pay to play or just, you know, or the exposure game. And then you see that it make it has made it to the highest form of entertainment. Coldplay, The Weeknd, you know, Taylor Swift, as we have postulated, won't do it because of that. And I mean, like, you know, lover or hater, she stands up for the artist, lover or hater. She is all about the artist. And I would be I I imagine the NFL would have to make some heavy concessions to ever get her to do it because I just can't. I'm sure she doesn't like it already. The fact that people are allowing it to happen because she's totally all about like compensation, you know, and. Um, so, you know, I, I, but this is just as funny because it's like, what, they're trying to shoot them for $200 million? Like, if they're stealing music, clearly they don't have it. They don't, like, they don't, <laughs> they don't have it. So, you know, I, I just, that's funny though. Like, you just, but when you, as soon as you mention the Rolling Stones, you don't mess with the Stones. Yeah. Like, if there's anyone that you don't mess with, ask the Verve, you don't mess with the Rolling Stones. Even if, if they weren't on the record, but it was yeah. one of their songs. They don't even need the money. At this point, they probably just do it to, to teach you a lesson. <laughs> they haven't needed to tour in like 30 years, but, but they still did it. But they keep doing it. <laughs> they keep playing shows. They played the Super Bowl. I wonder if they were probably just like, write it off. It's just whatever. <laughs> like, we're like, oh, The weekend spent $2 million and Keith's probably got that like, you know, lying around somewhere. Well, they, see, they didn't have to do all that much. No, they did. They made they made a stage. They might have had a few dancers. <laughs> All right, only, let's get our stuff on there. Let's play. The only person moving was Mick. Yeah, like, none of them, none of them can move. <laughs> They're too old. Like none of them can move. Like people talk about, you know, um, Keith Richards. Like my God, like he can't. He's he's just standing there. As long there. as his fingers work, <laughs> basically, he's okay. That's it. That's all he's got to do. <laughs> and they just just show up, play, and leave. That's what they did. Ah, man. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how that will change the gaming industry, but um, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Ben, you have been vaccinated. Yes. Um, I have not. One day. One day. Don't ask me about it anymore, though. I mean, hey, it's your business, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, I've been seeing some things where people are getting – they're getting stuff if you get the shot. You get you yeah. Know, there's that lotteries and stuff. Yeah, or you get you know uh, a, a burger. 
you get uh, Ooh, I'll go get vaccinated again for a burger. Uh, <laughs> you get a milkshake. You get a, a a free ticket to something. So, the city of Chicago, to boost vaccination rates, mm-hmm. is offering a free one day pass to Lollapalooza. What? Who's playing? Anyone good? I, I have no idea who's playing. Uh, I mean, it's free, so I mean, I I take it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know it had come back. So um, they are they are offering twelve hundred single day passes to anyone who signs up to get a shot on June 26th. Um, Of course, the last 16 years, Lollapalooza has taken place in Chicago. Uh, They're partnering with. um, Well, uh, Charlie Walker from C3 is partnering with Chicago, the city of Chicago to encourage vaccinations. And um, yeah, so what, what do you think of that, of, of that kind of, uh, oh, so there'll be, uh, you said who's performing, the Foo Fighters, yeah. Post Malone, Tyler the Creator, Miley <clears throat> Cyrus, Megan the Stallion, Steve Aoki, Playboy Cardi, Marshmello, Roddy Rich, wow, Jack some, Harlow, some Journey, Lip Biscuit. I've heard they've been putting on some good shows. Like they don't take it serious anymore. Apparently this is coming from a friend of the show, Matt, um, the one that lives out in California now, but he, he saw them. He's like, yeah, they don't take it. Like he's like, they're basically doing like a request set. Like they just like, what do you guys want to hear? And like, they would just play (laughs) and West is back. So they sound great. Like they're good again. Um, Yeah. I thought that was funny though. Uh, The baby Brockhampton band of horses. I didn't know there was still a thing. Brockhampton? No, Band of Horses. Band of Horses? Like, I remember they had that song in that car commercial, and I was like, oh, well, that's good for them. Good for them. So what what do you think of, like, that, of these incentives for getting the vaccination? I mean, it's not a bad thing. I'm sure there's some people who are like, and I will say, so, at least I know in Ohio, because some people thought that, like, oh, well, now they're doing it. I wish I was, you know, getting it when, you know, got it when they were doing that, but it's a lottery for everybody. So if you got it now or if you got it before, you're you're putting the lottery. I mean, I think it's cool. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, it it encourages um it encourages people to get the vaccine. Um you would in a perfect world hope you wouldn't have to do something like that, but you know, as uh, one uh Mr. Donald Glover would say, this is America. So mm-hmm. Um, you do what you have to do to get things like that done. And I mean, I'll just kind of leave it there. This is what someone came up with it and was like, Hey, you know, what would it take to get you to take the vaccine? Someone was like, I don't know, a million dollars. All right, let's try that. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like concert tickets. Okay. You know, that's cool. And you know, so oh, earth gang too. That's dope. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine. I, I just, I just wish it didn't have to happen, but glad that something's happening. Oh, is this driving up people to get, not driving up? Is this making the numbers of people getting it go up or is it? Failing I don't or? I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it depends on what's being offered. OK, concert tickets, milkshake <laughs> depends on really what what you're what you're looking for. Well, whatever, whatever is important in, um, to you. The lottery in Ohio is for a possible million dollars. So you had a chance of winning a million dollars just for getting a shot. Um, 
I forget what some of the other places were. I didn't know they were offering food. Um, that would totally get me. Like if I knew that I would get a burger, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like If I get to choose the place even better, <laughs> um, like I wouldn't want an In-N-Out burger. I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm kidding to all the people in California. In-N-Out's pretty good. I had it again. It is pretty good. Um, I just prefer. I've five. never had In-N-Out. Yeah. It's, it's everything over there. Like it's just like lying around the building crowded inside. Like they just, they love <laughs> In-N-Out and it's, I mean, I had it, you know, in Texas the first time. I don't know if maybe that's why it just – or maybe my tastes have changed. Well, I think in Texas the the, the the spot is supposed to be Whataburger. I love Whataburger. I do love Whataburger. I've never had it in Texas. I just know the furthest east they've gone with In-N-Out is Texas because apparently they want to be able to – um, get the meat there fresh every day or something like that so they won't go out of a certain area because it's made in like Colorado or something like that. I don't know. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think this is pretty cool though that they're doing it and hopefully it works. Um, but then again, you know, for <laughs> this will only work for the people who truly want to get it. <laughs> you know, one of the things they've mentioned is the holdouts in like the, some of the rural areas. Tennessee was having a huge issue with people trusting on the vaccine. And I mean, let's just be honest. There's been things that this country has done. Um, and I know, you know, people of color are going to be very apprehensive. It's been done to people of color. It's been done to really everybody. Like you've, you know, it's kind of one of those threads on Reddit where it's like, name a conspiracy that was thought to be a conspiracy, but came out to be true. <laughs> it's like, and it's full because you don't know about it until, you know, 30 years later, MK Ultra. You don't know about it until 30 years later, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. You don't know about it at the time. And I think that's what people are afraid of. Um, I wish they weren't. Maybe this is, you know, partially because my mom was a nurse and my wife is a public health. I don't want to say expert just yet. I mean, she's got a her bachelor's in it. She's about to get her master's. She's working on her master's. So maybe that partially is why I'm just so trusting <laughs> of medical science just because it's just always been in my life at some in some way, shape or form. So I can't I, I don't know how to see it from that perspective. If that makes sense. I mean, there are people who have been anti-vaccination for anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. I mean, hell, measles came back. To, <laughs> it's going to be hard to convince them. Yeah. You know. Uh, but, yeah. So, you know, if y'all if y'all if y'all want something in exchange for your time and, and suffering for from a needle. <laughs> and it was the easiest shot. I am terrified of needles, bruh terrified and they were like it's easy i promise and i'm just sitting there i'm nervous i'm like oh god i'm like trying to chat up the person so i'm not just nervous and it's like boop i'm like is that it yeah it's like oh hack myself up for nothing okay <laughs> it's a very easy shot um but you're like really sick the day after like really the second one was the worst <laughs> like i wasn't really sick after the, the day after the first one but the second one oh lord fever Everything chills, all that, but like you're you're fine. Like after a day, take a Motrin and you'll be good. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> let's get to the charts. And there's a question I wanted to ask you about uh, concerning a, a, a Reddit post that you were you were talking about before we started recording. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, start with the Hot 100. These are the songs. This was debuted at number one last week. It's number one again this week. Butter by BTS. 
so they're they're still around. And they got their own meal at McDonald's too. So yeah, yeah, I saw it. I bet they're not allowed to eat it. They didn't let them. No, they have to share one. <laughs> it's like one burger. No, one nugget. Let me stop. <laughs> <Let's> stop. <laughs> uh, number two, "Good for You" by Olivia Rodrigo. Number three, "Levitating" Dua Lipa featuring the baby. Number four, Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. That album ain't coming, y'all. Um, number five, <laughs> I believe it when I see it. Uh, number five, Save Your Tears, The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. Number six, Peaches, Justin Bieber featuring Daniel Caesar and Giveon. Number seven, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. Uh, Doja Cat's album just came out called Planet Her. I think that's what it's called. Uh, number eight, <laughs> Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. So she is a three hit wonder. Uh, <laughs> uh, number nine, Astronaut in the Ocean by Masked Wolf. And number 10, Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. Uh, that moved back up. Mm -hmm. The albums. Back at number one, after being number 74 last week. Evermore by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Excuse what me? just happened? <laughs> was Katy Perry promoting anything? <laughs> was that that had to be it? I don't. I mean, I know Taylor can be kind of petty like that. Like she really don't like her. But yeah, what what is causing this? That's weird. Number two, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. It debuted at number one last week. Number three, The Off Season by J Cole. Number four, Dangerous, the double album, Morgan Wallen, still hanging around. Yeah, Mr. Stick Around. <laughs> Number five, A Gangsta's Pain by Moneybag Yo. Number six, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Number seven, coming back up, Goodbye and Good Riddance by Juice World. Uh, jumps back into the top 10. It was number 30 last week, and it has been <clears throat> on the Hot 100, excuse me, the Billboard 200 for 159 weeks. Mm. So a little over three years. That's a long time. But it moves back up into the top 10. I wonder what, what caused that. Mm. I mean, That's interesting. I know there, I think there's a new album coming of unreleased stuff, but other than that, I don't know. Uh, number eight, Exodus, uh, debuting at number eight, Exodus by DMX. Number nine, after Hours by The Weeknd, and number 10, What You See Is What You Get by Luke Combs. Let's look at the Artist 100. Number one this week is Taylor Swift. Okay, could you look? Why, why is I'm Taylor looking, Swift in the news? I'm looking here because that, that is weird. Like, why? How, I mean, Evermore debuted at number one, I believe, <clears throat> um, came out last year. But why um, why is it jumping back up in sales? So Billboard, actually, I guess they thought this was odd as well. They have an, an article here talking about that and about the Juice World album. So says, Evermore sales surged in the week ending June 3rd was fueled by a number of drivers, including modern era record-breaking vinyl LP sales. So 102,000 of those. And then Swift signed CDs key and, key and deep discounting um, on its digital album. So it looks like they just made it cheaper to get. Maybe put it on sale. Um, hmm. That's but that's it. I'm guessing maybe people got their signed Taylor Swift copies and 
put them on Twitter. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, this is the third. Let's see here. Um, Juice World's Goodbye and Good Riddance jumps from 30 to number seven after its third anniversary reissue with two new tracks. Aha. Uh-huh. So they did a reissue there. So okay. that's kind of cheating. <laughs> but, <It is. laughs> but hey, you know, it's a top 10 record is a top 10 record. You know, you put it on your resume if you're an A&R at the record company. All right. Don't matter how you get it. Yeah. <laughs> Just get it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, the artist 100, Taylor Swift is number one. Number two, Olivia Rodrigo. Number three, BTS. Number four, J. Cole. Number five, The Weeknd. Number six, Luke Combs. Number seven, Dua Lipa. Number eight, Ariana Grande. Number nine, Drake. And number 10, <clears throat> Justin Bieber. I feel like I, I just I I see Justin Bieber everywhere, just everywhere. So, yeah, yeah. Um. So before we started recording, you mentioned uh, a Reddit post about um, yeah something that Beyonce said. I'm not sure if it was recent or not. I'm not sure either. I think it was probably just sparking a, a conversation, but I mean, it was essentially talking about how. Um, artists don't make singles. I mean, don't make albums anymore. They just, it's all about the single. And I know we've, we've alluded to this before. Um, really in the sense of how, um, and I think maybe what really makes it seem like we're in a single culture is two things. Um, some artists will strictly release just singles and maybe never do an album, especially if they're independent. Because you're not contractually obligated to do an album, which is the reason a lot of people do them. Because you're owed, you owe, as Billy Corgan said, we talked about last last week, like a four or five album deal sometimes. Like, you know, you got to make them to get done. Drake, I think, was doing that for a while, just trying to get through his contract with Young Money, which is why he puts out so many albums. Um, the other reason why you're putting out a bunch of singles is because the record company doesn't truly believe in the album just yet. And you got to prove that you can you can be viable, you know, ask Nicole Scheisinger. Mm-hmm. She put out a single. It didn't do well because she was in the pussycat dolls. We're like, we'll give you another shot. She puts out another one. It doesn't do well. They shelve the album. <laughs> it's just, and it's we gone. really did not hear from her again. Yeah. I mean, as far as her being a singer. Yeah. Like she was on X factor. Or yeah. One she of was those a judge. Shows. Yeah. She's making judge money, but in terms of her music, more than she would have made yeah. as a singer. Because y'all don't buy records no more, but y'all watch these talent shows. Yeah, I digress. <laughs> I digress. But so the conversation just came up. You know what artists are really good at doing that. Um, one of them being we, we talked about Maroon Five, who's just you know the yeah. Adam Lynn and the Levines essentially. You know, if you're in Maroon Five, what do you do? <laughs> show up to the photo shoot. I mean, is there going to be like to a the video shoot? <laughs> Is it going to be a um, well, I, Hired Guns Part 2 and they're going to be in it? <laughs> I would say show up to the video shoot, but the song that they did with Megan The Stallion, it's just Adam and Megan in the video. Yeah. I mean, that's where we've gotten at this point. They're a backing band. It, they're a backing band. Um, and But but it works for them, you know? it it Like, why, why break what doesn't, you know, what works? Um, I remember the Spotify CEO even kind of came out and 
kind of came out in support of it, you know, saying, but not in support. I'm sorry. He was saying that if you want to have more lasting power, you shouldn't just be releasing music constantly. You should release something and kind of let it sit. But I mean, that's, you know, that's almost dinosaur talk, you know, just it's all about the single. Yeah. It's too, it's too expensive to go in and make an entire album. We can just make a single time yeah, consuming. And, and it's, and, yeah. It's, it's a time thing. Um, because it, this came up on, uh, for those, I, I, I'm producing a, a new podcast called the Botanica Podcast. Whoop, whoop, uh, shout out. friend Aisha and. Uh, it was on for our Selena episode. Yes. If you remember from our, uh, yes, our Selena episode. Um, we brought up, I can't remember how it came up exactly, but it was kind of like how um, some people are. Like the music, how just how hard the music business is in mm-hmm. general, as far as being a part of it, uh, because she used to be in in artist management, uh, okay. talent coordination, or something to that effect. And it's just hard that you know your talent is never enough. That's not going to be not enough anymore, to be no. successful. And it, never it really never probably is. was, but no. definitely not now. Yeah. And how how hard it is for people to for Mm -hmm. artists to break through Mm -hmm. and people are just putting out um songs or some artists have the have the push behind them from their record label Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of times you know there there isn't that not that grind or you know hear rappers trying to get it out the mud not exactly like that Mm -hmm. a little bit like that but more of uh the like the artist has to develop themselves like be their own nowadays A&R, yeah you have to and the comp the record companies aren't going to do that or they'll do it with like very very few yeah artists yeah so essentially record companies will no longer develop you that has been essentially outsourced to other companies like i remember neo for instance had a, a had an artist development company and that's all that they do it's just develop artists i know i came uh talking about reality tv that's one mm-hmm. of the, the topics that come up and and um i think cardi b came up and saying that cardi oh it was about like how more <laughs> and we, we we mentioned this like three years ago <laughs> as far as strippers being becoming rappers mm-hmm. is like when drug dealers became rappers yeah the female version of it though. and yeah. like the only one that made it out is Cardi B. Yeah. So like it doesn't mean just because you see her do it doesn't mean I mean if it's a good idea for you that's fine but that doesn't mean that's your only option. Yeah. And 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 also like it it took time like it she 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 blew up fairly quickly but that's yeah. not going to happen for everybody mm-hmm. but I think some people see that and are impatient. Yeah. And it's like Okay, I got this song. Why I not, why ain't I famous yet? Yeah. And I was telling them about how in K pop they'll be in oh, years. They'll be in these boot camps or whatever, yeah. working on choreography and mm-hmm. vocals for eight or nine years before yeah. they record a note. Yeah. And on a lower scale with uh with Lou Pearlman having the action boys <laughs> and sing, that was probably two or three years. Yeah. But it, like it, it takes time to develop all of that, mm-hmm. and some people don't understand that it does take time or don't have the patience to yeah. 
make everything, you know, I don't know if anybody's seen this movie called uh, Peoples with uh, Craig Robinson, Kerry Washington, Never David Allen Greer. It's produced by Tyler Perry, but he didn't direct or write it. He just produced it. <laughs> but, you know, it's about um, a guy's dating this woman and he meets her family for the first time and they're, um, uh, David Allen Greer plays the, plays the father and he's a judge, but he also plays the saxophone mm -hmm. and he goes to the, he goes to this club to, to play and he's like, Oh, we can, we can come see you. He's like, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to jam for a couple of hours. And you know, he's, and he, their last name is people's. He's like a people's never shows his hand until it's perfect. <laughs> you know, so he's not going to show anything to anybody that he, you know, values their opinion. Uh, Unless it's perfect, unless he's perfected it, mm -hmm. that's how it is in the music business. To where you're not going out there until you're ready. You shouldn't go out there yeah. until it's everything is perfected. Yeah. Well, so, and just because you made that one song mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's perfected. To it's a persona. It's it's every it's everything yeah. that that comes with being uh, being a recording artist and being out in the public eye. To piggyback off of what you said about it takes more than just talent, I'm going to bring him up again, Mr. Finn McKinty of the Punk Rock NBA. When he talks about, one of the things he talks about is for, you have to be a star. You have to have that star quality. Yeah, Talent's not enough. It's a je ne sais quoi. Yeah. And he talks about Haley Williams. Because he talks about all these bands and all, why they're popular. Um, because one of the things you know he talks about all the time is like how rock music is is dying. And he... I think just hits the nail on the head about how nobody wants to be a star anymore. And this kind of came up with the story about MGK, you know, pissing yeah. off all these people and how, but this is before the MGK thing, just talking about like, why is it no longer popular? Because rock stars stopped wanting to be stars. They stopped looking for people with that star quality. And he talks about Haley Williams, how like, yeah, she's got a great voice. She's a good writer, but like, you can't take your eyes off of her. And it's not because she's pretty. But it's just because she commands that when she's up on stage, she's it's an attitude. interesting. It's, it's an, an attitude. It's an yeah. It's personality. Yeah, it's all of those things that make for a person that you want to be. I mean, she is the closest thing we have to a Gwen Stefani for this generation, and yeah. all the little girls who wanted to sing rock music wanted to be Gwen Stefani, <laughs> and all the little girls who wanted to sing rock music, you know, in this decade and the last. Haley Williams. And so I, I think that's what you really got to have. Cardi B. Yeah, she was a stripper, but Cardi B, you cannot take your eyes off of her. <laughs> She's interesting. She you says close your ears to her. Yeah. Either. She says <laughs> funny things and crazy things. And so, you know, like if and I guess that is my advice to people who want to be famous. Like what's interesting about you? Yeah, because it's it is to to be a rock star, and that this is why I see from someone like Machine Gun Kelly, it is it's an it's an it's not just the the music part and mm -hmm. the talent, it's an attitude, it's a per it's part of your personality. You command attention. Yeah, you you make people interested. Yeah. you know with the things you say or do. Yeah. Uh, some people feel like they have the trash hotel rooms. <laughs> some people feel like they're they're going to be the best at their instrument. But mm -hmm. you're going you're going to listen and you're going to watch. You don't even have to be the best at your instrument. And, and yeah, you don't. <laughs> I mean, like, but there has to be something that that gets people's attention. Yeah. Still, it's funny too because I felt like in the late '90s, 
with rock music, it was making funny videos. So, yeah, like you look at a band like Blink-182. Foo Fighters. Or the Foo Fighters. They're not the most talented at their instruments, but they ran naked through a city <laughs> in their video. That's funny. That's memorable. And, the, and part of it is that they, if, and it doesn't have to be where you're doing anything destructive or yeah. violent or anything like that. If you're just enjoying yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy yourselves running naked. You're enjoying yourselves making a video where you play half the characters. Yeah. <laughs> like you're some rock Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're enjoying yourselves, people are going to uh, enjoy that. Yeah. But I think part of it is. And, you know, and this kind of uh, goes to the in, in hip hop as well. Mm hmm. There are more people influenced by Kurt Cobain than we realize. Nowadays, it's it's really coming out. It is really coming out. Like, it's insane in hip-hop how influential Kurt Cobain yeah. is. And if they're going to take on, if they're if they're paying attention to the kind of person he was and, and, and connect with that, he didn't want to be famous. No, he didn't. So... It's like you kind of shun the fame, but you kind of want the attention. But he was interesting. Like, I mean, he was he was an interesting person, yeah. but he didn't care about being famous. Yeah. But that was that was him. But mm -hmm. people are trying to. I think some people are like taking that, and I I don't want to be famous, but I'm also that doesn't mean you have to be an asshole. Yeah. That I doesn't mean, mean you have to. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean you have to. Uh, how do I put this? You don't. You don't have to uh, treat people. Uh, um, you know, treat people poorly or anything mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I don't know if Kurt Cobain actually did that, but he was someone that, if, if like you said, he was an interesting person. He was a very smart person. Mm -hmm. uh, he was very introspective, um, but and he wasn't like he wasn't a flashy person. No. Uh, but today, people who have that influence, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to be. I I I, I don't want to be famous, but I want to be flashy. Yeah, and have the. It's like you you want to pick and choose what yeah. part of being famous you want. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't. It just doesn't work like that. And you know, I feel like if today, if Kurt Cobain were around today. Uh, he would not have social media. No, he wouldn't be on anything. Or if he had Instagram, it would be one post. It would be of because a, of his Geffen, dog or something. David Geffen <laughs> made him do it. Like, it was like you gotta, you gotta be on something. something. You gotta be somewhere. It's like all right, so he'll take a picture of his dog or his guitar, and that's his only post on Instagram for the last ten. You years. You know who? You know who'd be running it? Courtney. Courtney, Love. <laughs> Courtney would be running it. Yeah, totally. It'll, okay, it'll just be full of Courtney Love selfies. Yeah. This song's about me. This song's about me. <laughs> yeah, he was such a he was such an unlikely rock star. Like if all if things are all fair, if you think about that era, the breakout star should have been Chris Cornell. Yeah. He was the best. Or looking. Eddie Vedder. Or Eddie Vedder. Although Eddie kind of was the same. He didn't want to be famous. Apparently he did not like that people like the song Black. Like apparently he just did not like that. You wrote the song. People like, people are moved by this song and he doesn't like that people like it. I guess it was too personal to him, but like I think back to like, you know, 
at his concerts, he's going crazy. He's wild. He's in your face. Chris Cornell's got a shirt off, long. He's got long dark hair and light eyes. Like, are, are their their videos <laughs> were like, let's try to make a music video yeah. while with Pearl Jam. Eh, it's a live performance. Yeah, and they were crazy. He's like jumping off of like, like the balconies. And how did that guy not die? Like he just like I think of the part in Even Flow. Where it's like quieted down after the solo, and he's like up there, he just lets go, <laughs> it just falls back, and they caught him. I mean, but it's just like, man, that's risky as hell, bro. <laughs> like, that's real risky. <laughs> that could have gone like all sorts of bad, and next thing you know, like we're making a tribute album to Eddie Vedder. <laughs> like, <laughs> just saying, man. It's, and it's got like Chris Cornell and like someone else, another up and coming singer, you know. Or another um, another possible breakout star if he didn't self destruct was uh, Lane Staley. Yeah, same. I mean, same deal. Like a lot of those, the grunge guys, they were a little more, you know, withdrawn. I don't know if it was the drug use, but like they just, you know, I mean, hell, sometimes it felt like Jerry Cantrell was singing louder than Lane Staley. Yeah, <laughs> because he just, you know. But when he or, did, I, sometimes sing, like, it was like I felt oh, like, yeah. and reading a little bit about how like their songs were constructed, mm-hmm. Jerry Cantrell, it seemed like he's like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta sing with him, otherwise he'll, if he, he might stop singing at any moment. <laughs> I gotta fill in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it was it's a very interesting dynamic that they had because I just I guess until I got older, I didn't realize how much of him I was hearing. Yeah, <laughs> like in that in Wood, like he's singing the higher part. I'm like, oh god, that's Jerry. That's all them performing. I was like, oh shit, is Jerry Cantrell? He's he's got a pretty good voice. Okay, that's what's up. So yeah, those yeah yeah that could be a whole episode in itself. Yeah, <laughs> the the grunge era is very interesting. To yeah, me. it's a very interesting era because. It's like it, it's it's a lot of the the musicianship, and they're just as big as stars as the hair metal guys. They just don't look that way. Yeah, they don't. They just don't have the look. They're not going to put on makeup. Nope. They're not wearing leather um, and boots. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, they're wearing flannel and or just you know Jeans regular t-shirts and sneakers or yeah. If you're Eddie Vedder, for some reason, shorts and combat boots. Uh, (laughs) That was the weirdest thing ever, but it worked. Like, they had the—I think Pearl Jam probably had the—although Kurt Cobain did dress up in cardigans and dresses, but, like, I I think back to, like, when I saw them open—they played SNL. It was was, um, Pearl Jam, you know, in addition to the shorts and combat boots he's wearing. For some reason, the bass players were like a tank top biker pants— (laughs) <laughs> or no biker shorts and a backwards hat like a like a a big beret i was like who the hell dressed y'all <laughs> like you're wearing biker shorts and like cross trainers <laughs> like it just it made no sense but it worked it just it was just like it was like wear whatever yeah it, it worked like just get up there and yeah and then you got like wear stone gossip clothes yeah stone gossip <laughs> like in a like, tucked in polo and jeans like it just, just, like, it's just making no like. sense man uh, uh, yeah, that's a good era. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, that is a good correlation, though, to like today. A lot of hip hop artists, especially the younger ones, the newer ones that are just are, you know, getting big now, heavy influence from Kurt. And they'll talk and they talk about it, too. Yeah. Which I, I dig um, because it's it's showing it shows in their music and it's just it's introducing younger people to different types of music, which I'm always for. 
you know, maybe now they'll know who the band is on that cool shirt they have with this, with the, you know, the face with the two X's and the squiggly line. You know, maybe they'll understand that now. Maybe they will. Who knows? No, they won't. <laughs> Nirvana? Huh? <laughs> Nirvana? What's that? Um, so that'll do it for our, our music news. Um, been always here. Always good to uh, that you, you find some interesting conversations on Reddit. <laughs> I'm still not on there. You do. It's kind of you got to take the good with the bad. You know, there's some stuff on there where you're just like, yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> but every now and then you get a nice little nugget. <laughs> All right. So uh, that'll do it for our music news segment. Ben, why don't you tell us about your earworm of the week? Another thing I found from Reddit. This band is called Grayscale. The name of this song is called Just Right. I am a part of the um, Third Eye Blind subreddit. Um, shout out to the podcast. God, what, is, what is it called? 90, 60 songs that shaped the 90s. Um, they recently did an episode on semi-charm life and apparently Steven Jenkins is like the most hated nineties rock singer. Like everyone hates them. He had the, some things. I'm not surprised at that. He had the lead singer from Eve six on there and he had some funny stories about him. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. You told me about that. Yeah. You told but me about that. He read like all these quotes and people just hate him, but I digress. So on the sub, on the third eye blind subreddit, somebody suggested this band grayscale as a band that was kind of similar in style to um, third eye blind. If you know, more of a pop punk um, style of music, but like the album is solid. Like I, when I first um, found it on Spotify, I couldn't put it down. It's really good. Um, this one doesn't sound like a lot of their older stuff. So it's stylistically a little more melodic, but it's still really good. And if if you like good, catchy pop rock bordering on pop punk music, I'd suggest it. All right. So this is Just Right by Grayscale. And we'll be right back. Get back to the 
That is Just Right by Grayscale. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now on Spotify. Just search BTT YHT Earworms of the week. And uh, there's some new artwork there. Finally updated it. (laughs) So uh, you can find it there. All right. So we started the show. We started this episode with the song Whipping Post by the Almond Brothers Band. And uh, as I said, well, you won't hear this on the podcast. I said it at the beginning of the live stream, <laughs> but it is the uh, part four, the the final part of the Georgia series, at least for now. Um, we'll be talking about the Almond Brothers Band. So part one of the series, we talked about uh, Usher's Confessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, part two, we talked about uh, Butch Walker's production and and musical stylings. Part three was Outkast's album Equimini. And part four, we'll be talking about a documentary that we just found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not many out there for a band this influential, which is a little surprising. No. Um, so the documentary that we'll be looking at is the song called Song of the South, Dwayne Almond and the Rise of the Almond Brothers Band. There is another one called, um, I think it's called After the Crash. Mm-hmm. It was after <clears throat> Dwayne Almond's death, yeah. how the band carried on. Mm. And I think there's one more about Greg Almond. Uh, I can't remember the title, but I think there's one like about him or, or one of his solo projects or something to that effect. Okay. Um, but uh well ben it was interesting <laughs> i did not finish the documentary it's about two hours long yeah I, it it was a chore for me to finish it and i feel bad for saying that because i have nothing but the utmost respect for Dwayne allman as a guitar player yes, but i i do as well like uh, yeah. from what i hear and from you know some of the music i heard he is amazing yeah uh but the documentary itself uh um, yeah some stuff was extra, as Vincent saw. There was some stuff that was filler, um, you know. I and they they took an angle that I don't know. I, I guess it it doesn't really lend to me. It may not actually lend to the uh, to the history of the band and what they stood for, maybe. Yeah, and and the yeah, and the kind of music they made. I mean, they tried to make it one way as far mm-hmm. as like, well, you know, no one was really playing southern music or the popular music was just coming out of, you know, New York, LA, mm-hmm. Chicago, and Detroit. No one was really paying attention to the south. And while that's kind of true, they kind of brushed over the reason <laughs> because this is the 1960s, 50s yeah. and 60s. You know, this is in the midst of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. where a lot of artists are refusing to play there. Yeah, because so of what's going on. <laughs> there's limited, there's limits on what music 
would actually be exposed there, whether in live concerts or on the radio. Mm -hmm. So they kind of brushed over that. And I just think it's because they had a, a British narrator which threw me off. That was yeah. That was a little <laughs> weird. It kind of felt PBS-ish, PBS-ish, but um, yeah. No, I I I I totally agree there. That and they so they kind of addressed it a little bit towards the end when you know they talk about the breakthrough of Southern rock and how it yeah. kind of became cool to be Southern and country and all that stuff and um. One of the things which I'll kind of touch on a little bit later, country rock music out West being a genre all in its own. It does not sound like what you hear here. Um, but I, I, you know, the Allman Brothers band was kind of at the forefront of that. So yeah, you had bands like um, the Atlanta Rhythm Section, which I think came a little later. You had the Allman Brothers band. You had Leonard Skinner um, and, and, and all the imitators. I think there's a band called Black Snake. Um I think that was the name of it. Like there are a lot of imitators. Um, but when you think of the Allman Brothers band, yeah, yeah, they were Southern rock, but like there was so much more. Yeah. They, they had a lot of, a lot of different influences. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were inspired mostly by R and B um, <clears throat> and, and Southern blues, blues yeah. but they also, um, they liked, pop music they liked the beatles mm-hmm. they liked jazz uh the jmo yeah. introduced them to to miles davis and coltrane so they incorporated that into their music yeah so they are while like the the southern rock thing i really feel like that just came from uh these from. are white people <clears throat> doing blues <laughs> from georgia from, from so georgia. this is southern rock this is <laughs> like it's kind of like this is a black person singing with a nice voice this is r&b <laughs> like, yeah, you exactly. just get that label and it's just like we can play a jazz song man it's crazy how you guys just play southern rock like we just did a 10 minute jazz improv yeah it's southern rock man like <laughs> we got two drummers southern rock like you can't like people want to define them by their geography yeah. so bad that they they throughout the story they were, okay they were they were definitely more and and yeah. they had a lot of uh different influences that they were able to meld together because from this like the focus is on Dwayne yeah which is really funny because well on the documentary but even I felt like in life with that band like I mean, he was he was their Jimmy Page. He was their I mean, like he wasn't singing, but he was essentially their band leader. Yeah, Um, because he was just so immensely talented that he kind of just steals the show like he's and, you know, and on top of that, he's the one who's, you know, he's playing on these different sessions. He's he's an in-demand session player. Um, The band bears his name. Of course, his brother sings. And I mean, truthfully, I didn't even realize that was Greg Allman singing. I just didn't really know what Greg Allman did other than play the organ, but I was like, someone had to sing. I just <laughs> didn't know who, but um, like you think about it and it's just like, you know, every band that Dwayne Allman was in, it seemed like he carried kind of this gravitas. It was like, we can go as far as Dwayne Allman will take us. Yeah. It's kind of like he was, and part of it, what I, what I saw is throughout the documentary is for him to, you know, you hear about, you know, the 10,000 hours theory or, um, you know, people who are so great at their at their craft, at their instrument. Uh, 
there's like, well, yeah, he always had a guitar in his hand. Like, yeah. <laughs> to me, that was like, okay, he was obsessive. Yeah, he lived but and breathed it. If he wasn't obsessive, they would have never been successful. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the angle was with Greg. They're like, well, Greg was trying to find himself, but Dwayne wanted to do this. Yeah. And it's like, if, if he wasn't that driven and that focused, mm -hmm. where would they have gone? Would, would Greg have tried, would he have picked it up? Mm -hmm. Or if, how far would he have actually gone? Would because, he have stayed in California and just kept seeing, yeah. you know? And it was also interesting that, um, and we'll be, I, I got some, I got a few notes yeah, I got some from notes what too. I watched. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I didn't, I, the last 30 minutes, uh, I, I think it was at the point where they, they had made, uh, uh, Idlewild. Mm -hmm. What was it called? Yeah, that was, it was called, um, let me look it up again. Idlewild South. Idlewild South. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I got to that part when they were making that mm -hmm. and I felt like that, that was enough, but, <laughs> but like it, um, it was interesting to me that Dwayne, um, I didn't know how much work he had done. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, guys, he only lived to be 24. So that's, so that's, I guess, what blew me away because I did not realize he was that young. Yeah. He did a lot in 24 years. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I, that was, I was younger than, than Hendrix. Like, they made the, they were making the, the albums as Hourglass. And then they, you know, they're out in L.A. and they're like, yeah. And then in 1968, I'm like, he died in like 1971 yeah. Yeah, or 70, So like a lot happened in this short amount of time. And he's working with like uh, working with uh, Wilson Pickett and Eric Clapton and Aretha Franklin. Yeah. And it's like he has this town and like, OK, go get me that guy. Yeah. I want that guy on this song. Um, what do you? What did you think of the? Well, let's let's go. Uh, let's start with chronologically with the notes here. I don't want to jump around too much. So, like I said, the British narrator threw me off. I did uh, appreciate at the beginning the acknowledgement of borrowing from black music. Yeah, um, I did appreciate that because and they were aware of it too. Yeah, which is why that's important. I don't, and I know because I'm. I'm and I hate to be that woke guy, the woke supremacist, as we call them sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, when you think about, you know, terms like appropriation and one of the big things with appropriation is borrowing of culture, but not understanding the struggles of the people who this is their culture. So, for yeah. instance, someone I was listening to an episode of um, Today Explained with Vox from Vox and they were talking about the Kardashians and how, you know, they got big off of having what are considered traditionally black uh, female features, big yeah. butts, you know, full lips, things like that, but never having to actually deal with the fallout that can come from being a black woman and being wide hipped or having larger lips. You know, they can essentially just like, you know, they really in some cases could pass for white, but, you know, having those things and, but not recognizing that like, yeah, you know, like I have these things, but there's people who are being put down for having these things borrowing from black music but having an appreciation for it to where you respect it this is what we kind of talked about and a lot of people don't like elvis but i i never felt that elvis was not respecting the music he understood where it came from same thing here i i feel yeah. that they understood you know Ta, was it taj um taj mahal yeah the blues player taj mahal statesboro blues 
you know, it wasn't like he went and found, you know, it wasn't like Dwayne Allman went and found the white version of it. He went to the source because he respected the music. Albert King, he respected the music. Um, He had a respect for the artist. John Lee Hooker. Yeah. Alan Wolf. Muddy Waters. So to to acknowledge that. And when we say acknowledge, these were, of course, a lot of the people they were talking to, because, of course, Dwayne and Greg are no longer with us. They weren't really talking to anybody from the band. It was a lot of people who were early. I think they labeled them as early associates of the yeah. Almond Band, Almond Brothers Band, members of Hourglass, members of the Almond Joys. So people who who knew him young and saw him grow up and and become what he became. But I I liked that out of the gate they acknowledged that. So that was um, good. So they there was they talked about what was considered white rock and roll <laughs> so this was the i guess the early days of rock and roll we're talking about elvis yeah uh bill haley and them uh <laughs> them <you> know, comets <laughs> the, the comments. Uh, i think is is the influence of elvis on the rock and roll in the rock and roll genre they also mentioned jerry lewis i feel like it's understated to a degree bit. Because, I mean, I think some people, because I know a lot of people will put Chuck Berry up there, who was like, yeah. you know, the original guitar hero, um, which is why we say all oh, music is a black music. Chuck mm-hmm. Berry was a black man mm-hmm. playing rock music and all of the things. And um, I think it's Trash Theory does a really good video on that, talking about some of the originations of metal and talking about how, you know, Chuck Berry. But not to, you know, get too far in, but I think you have... You know, someone like a Chuck Berry and then someone like an Elvis who was like a, a a genuine rock star. You know, I know some people might go back and like, that's not rock. It was then. So, yes, yes, so you know, give him his propers there. And, yeah, I do think with some of the things, you know, Colonel Tom Parker, that was his name, was doing with Elvis. You know, if I can get a white man who can sing, you know, the black man's blues, we'll call it rock and roll. <laughs> like it was I think it was heavily influential. Um, especially the musicians, you know, coming out of there. Sam, no, Sam Perkins was the manager. Oh, God, what was the guy's name? Was it Chet Atkins? I can't remember. That was his guitar player. He influenced a lot of people. But no, I, I definitely think, um, like, I don't. The, like the, the Sun Records people? Yeah, I can't remember who played guitar on his early records. I think it was Chet Atkins, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but there was that influence because I think people really just like, oh, yeah, he was a, like a big rock star we loved his music but i do think there was some influence and carl perkins carl perkins oh i was right okay yeah not chad atkins carl perkins um influencing early rock stars and and what people felt it kind of took to be a rock star yeah um so uh looking at that it kind of led into like i said this is kind of this is the angle they took um as far as like there was nothing in the south and then the allman brothers appeared uh, that, was, that was kind of like how it was going, and it reminded me of it reminded me of Outcast as far as how hip hop was looked at. Yeah, um, before artists. In- yeah, there was nothing in the South, <laughs> and then Outcast appeared in the Ghetto Boys. But and it was like, oh, there's there's rap down there. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, they were talking about you know in the in the 60s and during the, the they're talking about counterculture yeah and how there was folk music in the 60s that attacked the south yeah because of what we were doing like Bob Dylan <laughs> and Joan Baez writing certain songs that were attacking the south yeah um and it was so interesting that 
the the I found it ironic, if that's the right use of the word, that the how the blues music that came out of the South mm-hmm. influenced the British invasion. Yeah. So when you hear the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, you are hearing blues music that came from the South. Yeah. Heavily influenced by the name the Rolling Stones is it was a Muddy Water song or was it yeah. is a Muddy Water song. Chuck Berry was John Lennon and Paul McCartney's favorite guitar player. So heavy influence there. Um, they were just obsessed with it and they wanted because they wanted to be cool. You know, it was yeah. that they were cool. They wanted to be cool. So they play that type of music to be cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I like I said before, there was a reason no one cared about the South <laughs> as far as musically, you know, when certain artists don't want to play in their mm-hmm. venues because you won't let them walk through the front door. Yeah. Um, you know, and all these songs that are that are written about, these are about things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, they, they brushed over that. <laughs> um, and when they talked about the radio station that came out of Memphis, I mm-hmm. think, um, where they would play, you know, these these blue songs. And that's where Dwayne and Greg were, were hearing, uh, became interested in blues music, at least. And it just made me think, if you're interested in the music that you hear, you're gonna find a way to listen to it. Agreed. You're gonna you're gonna look for it. You're gonna find you're you're gonna you're gonna search for it out. You're gonna search it out. That, yeah. that is. And um, learn it in this case. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so whatever you're influenced by, <clears throat> um, search search that out. Yeah. Information. Find the resources. So that I think I think that will be that should be encouraging to anybody mm-hmm. who is looking to do anything. So to, and then to take it further, they like the music so much they would play in the quote unquote black part to town, hang yeah. around with black musicians. That part was funny to me because I was like, there's always a white boy who just goes to the black part of town. <laughs> and, you know, because because of something that he's interested in, it's something cool. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just going to go to the black part of Daytona Beach <laughs> and what I found that it kind of, it, it made me sad a little bit because this, this always happened is like, if you see, you know, with that story with them, or, or if you see movies like eight mile or mm-hmm. even Malibu's most wanted, <laughs> they get accepted, right? Mm-hmm. Based on merit. <laughs> like, Oh, he's good. Yeah. You have to be he's cool with us. Really good to get in. Or like, like uh, I think we mentioned it before, like when we did um, one of our episodes about either about cultural appropriation or about um, black people in, in rock music mm-hmm. currently or, or something like that. But I think I've mentioned this about the, uh, I saw the video of when New Kids on the Block performed at the Apollo. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody say, it's on YouTube. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. But the New Kids on the Block, during their heyday, performed at the Apollo Theater. And during the song, the crowd is chanting, go white boys, go white boys. Yeah. And they're, I'm, I know they're chanting that because they're enjoying it. <laughs> they're giving them props because of merit. Like, these are good songs. They're, they came they're out really here and not, did their thing. But they're, 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 they're cheesy as hell. But they, they perform with confidence 
Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, competent, you know, they, and overall it was a good showing. Yeah. So they get props for that mm-hmm. based on merit. It's never the other way around. <laughs> Where we go and we get props on merit. You have to be, well, yeah, well, not going to turn it into that, but I, I know what you mean. Yes. So it, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it just always goes that way. Yeah. Um, the next thing I had, because <laughs> I, was, I was listening to some of our old episodes, <laughs> and I listened to the one about, uh, where we talked with um, Matt about that thing you do, and the spelling <laughs> of the wonders. So oh, we have man. the all joys. <laughs> And the five minutes, but M E N dash I T S minutes. The five minutes. The five minutes. Some some of these names, I was like, I see why y'all didn't get famous. This is too cheesy. Are, these names are trash. These are too <laughs> cheesy. And you know, someone's like, oh, this is clever, man. This is the five men. It's like what? No, like, no. <laughs> but it happened. You know, the almond joys. I was just like. Ugh. I'm glad y'all didn't keep that one. Yeah, no, that that's <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Um, what what else, what uh, anything else that you had? At least um, up to this point. No, I had the I, I put almond joys dot 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 clever. <laughs> that's all I could think. Of. I was like, this is such a cheesy name. Uh, so when they go out to L.A. and they end up forming Hourglass, I just knew that was going to be bad. Because, <laughs> like, from what they were interested in, and then this producer who's producing pop acts, yeah, like, oh, this is this is gonna not going to go well, yeah. And you know, they're they're so they're they're heavily influenced by blues music, and um, and soul music. That you and then you have this producer who. You like he puts horns behind everything. Yeah, and hearing it from when they played, I'm like, this sounds like Chicago. Yeah, it it sounded palatable. Like, it I mean, it, it sounds yeah. like, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like, it didn't sound bad. No, it sounded very polished. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it it really actually sounded good. Mm-hmm. But it's like you like ah uh, this. Not even playing the end or or the future is like that's not them. Mm-mm. No, you you you. There like wasn't much of a semblance. There of, was nothing of what they were influenced by outside of Greg Allman's voice. Yeah, that's about it. That that's about it. And even he sounded a little. Yeah, he sounded smoother. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't singing not, blues. It, it was, wasn't really. It's like it's not really his style. Mm-mm. Um. So yeah, I just knew it was like, oh, they sent you out to L.A. and L.A. Yeah. in the '60s was not that. It ain't Florida, y'all. No, it was. It was a lot of. <laughs> I mean, like the. I mean, it, it was a lot of polish. It was a lot of flash. It was yeah. a lot of what's gonna, you know, what's gonna pop. Um, it got better later, but at that time, no, yeah. Um, they went for the Beach Boys, though. That was cool. Yeah. Um, what did, what did you think of that to where like it was it was that it was them and the other band and they're trading like three songs? stages yeah I I mean <laughs> I'd have to see that to kind of get a feel for how that was um because that sounds terribly confusing like that would be so annoying like where do you start where do we and, stop and, and even with that 
like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like what if they just played a good song? It's like, okay, we got we got to come with something now mm-hmm. and now. And then it, maybe it's a little competitive. But then at the end, uh, I can't remember what song it was that they did together. Yeah, they ended on some song. I, w- I can't remember what it was either. Yeah, but it was like they, <clears throat> they did a verse and then the Hourglass does a verse. So they just traded, traded yeah. back and forth. And that would have been a great time to interview Brian Wilson. And yeah. be like, what did you think? You shared the stage with an early version of the Almond yeah. Brothers, you know, with Greg and Dwayne. And what did you think? Like, that would have been really cool to hear from him. Um, I mean, the people did their best to describe it. But like to really hear, you know, who many people consider a musical genius in Brian Wilson. I'm sure he would have had some great insight on what he saw that night. Uh, now, before before <laughs> then, because like I said it, I, I there was some chunks where I didn't take any notes, but there's one part that I remember <laughs> is when they were coming up uh, in Florida, at least they were, it was like, it was like they were a cover band. Yeah. And they played those covers out there in California. Yeah. And, and they got respect for that. Yeah. Like, like the, they were, it was like they were your favorite band's favorite band kind of thing <laughs> yeah. almost. And, but even when coming up, when they were in Florida, they were playing these songs. They were playing blues, or they would play Motown. And yeah. There was a recording mm-hmm. that they did of uh, uh, "My Girl." Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, like they, the thing that I appreciated is that even when coming up, they respected the music they were playing. Mm-hmm. They never strayed, and which is they, why it didn't yeah. work in L.A. Yeah, they, they just they were they, they were they tried to change them into something that they weren't. Yeah, and they're just like no, and it and it and they talk about that later how you know they finally did find their voice and and writers and producers who knew how to you know for the most part capture what they were trying to do. Well, so, yeah, it, it was kind of like you know they were in a situation where yeah, there's all this talent, but people don't know what to do with them because they're so stuck in their. The producers are stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. Like when they talked about Dallas Smith, like this is clearly the NFL coach who is married to his offense. <laughs> Even though he has this quarterback who could do a lot of things, but you're not getting the best out of yeah. them. He's still like dump it off for five yards, dump it off for <laughs> 10 yards. But coach, I, I can run to the left. I said dump it off Yeah, for those five yards. I can throw it 60 yards. West Coast offense. Like, okay, <laughs> all right, that's what you want. <laughs> you know, or I mentioned out before, like with Johnny Gill. Mm-hmm. His self titled album was not his first album. <laughs> and he had a couple albums where the producers clearly had no idea what to do with yeah. the voice. And then um and then uh Gerald Busby, he called he called Jam, he called Terry, he called Face. <laughs> <laughs> I just want him to play him in everything. <laughs> Anything that he is in, like you got what was that guy's name? You gotta get him. The guy who played um Gerald Busby? Tank. Okay. Tank Oh that was okay. Yeah, Tank. Get him. Get get yeah. The Gerald Busby um biopic. <laughs> um So yeah, but I, I like that they, they respected respected the music that they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um that I, they made it seem like it is blues just regional. I don't know. I mean, maybe back then, and you know what? Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, probably. Um, and I think it was more so because blues was still considered black music. 
Yeah. And a lot of black people were in the South. So it was popular here, but then also popular in places like Chicago, where a lot of black people from, you know, the South went to. Hence why you have Chicago blues, Muddy Waters, Buddy Guy, those guys, because they go up there and they start making blues music. Um, I'm surprised it never really caught on out in certain parts of California where you had a lot of black people migrate to. Maybe it was too late by then. Yeah. Um, you know, you get country, you get country western music out there but it's it's not too similar to the blues even with the country rock people like the eagles or Graham parsons like it's not all like there's blues elements there but then there's also like country and there's rockabilly also so you just don't it's just there's too many other things mixed with it to sound like what you hear in in chicago in new orleans in in the delta um and then, of course, to a degree over in, in England, where it started getting really big. So um, I, I guess, yeah, it's kind of regional, but mainly just because, you know, it was the regions of where black people were comfortable living. Yeah. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, what did you think of they tried to I, I think they simplified the story of Dwayne suggesting Wilson Pickett sing Hey Jude. I'm sure I they, think they did. made that way too simple. And that makes me upset because um and this is where, you know, this I think this documentary falls short. They didn't know what to focus on versus what to not focus on. Yeah. And I think because they had so many of the former members of Almond Joy and Hourglass, that's why they spent so much time on it, because, oh, we can just ask them a bunch of questions. They, you know, can't talk to Wilson Pickett. You can't talk to, you know, you could talk to some of the guys there who were playing in the Muscle Shoals band. But, I mean, it even kind of seemed like they weren't even there when the discussion for Dwayne convincing Wilson Pickett to do Hey Jude was there. So there's only so much they can talk about it on, you know. Um, but, like, I never knew that existed. And it proves, once again, everyone can do Beatles songs better than the Beatles. Everybody. You were going to say that. Everybody. Say, because what I heard is like, oh, this sounds better than it, This sounds better it than It does. <laughs> Everyone can do their songs better. Like, it was it was great. Like, just it starts out with drums. Like, I hate, I hate Hey Jude with a passion. I, I added this one to a playlist. Like, it starts out better. You got the organ and the drums and, it, like, everything starts out together. It doesn't sound boring and redundant. It doesn't sound forced. And then you've got some great guitar work from Dwayne Allman. Like, it's just better. All right. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of it. Um... And, like, God bless Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne Allman for convincing him to do it because it was, it, was, it was a good song, man. It was a good cover. Like it just look at listen Make to that. Paul can't do that. <laughs> John can't do it either. No. Remember to let in your heart. What was funny is that like the way they said it, they went the way they put it in the documentary, it was like <laughs> so uh, like yeah, Dwayne just said like, hey Wilson, you should do hey Jude. And it was kinda like <laughs> 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 But it was kind of like it reminded me of um, in watching Chappelle's show. I think it might have been a deleted scene or, or an extra on the DVD. But the way he said that how Donnell Rawlings would suggest sketches to him <laughs> would just be there passing each other in the hallway. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you should do a racial draft. Nigga. And then just keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> or, you know, uh, like, or have Charlie tell stories. <laughs> like, just, just walking by him in the hallway or something like that. And it was... That's what this sounded like to me. This story, like, hey, just saying, hey, Jude, and then they do it. Which is why it does kind of <laughs> seem like it might have been a little bit more to it for him to convince him. That's some horns, yeah. To One thing, it. and I'll I'll fast forward here mm-hmm. is uh, what they what they mention, and you don't hear it a lot, is on the the soul records. You know, anybody with with stacks or or yeah. Motown guitar solos, yeah. So that that is the Wayne Allman on the guitar solo there. Man, those Muscle Shoals guys were so good, man. And they it's funny because they talked about like <laughs> it made me think of like that story how like you have those employees who like come in, they do their work and then they leave. But you have that one person that like is always staying after, and they're like, "Hey man, stop you making us look bad." Like that <laughs> sounded like that was Dwayne Allman. Yeah. They're like, he didn't have a family, he didn't have anything. He just stayed and just played all the time. Well, they talked about like he never, he never, he barely left the studio. Yeah, because he didn't have any place to live. And they were like, <laughs> he's talking about them as like, yeah, they're you know they're going to buy their color TVs and you know their families and live in their houses, man. And this, you know. The stuff he was just talking some he was talking some crap about them like that their stuff's just not as good man you know just need to be he's just like just needs to be playing man all the time man just play I'll never put my guitar down man just play like just <laughs> he's just in there for hours it's like Dwayne what you doing just got off work what you gonna do ah oh, I'm gonna play maybe he's like the Kobe <laughs> Bryant of guitar players or something yeah. like I don't need friends I need records that right, like when. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was gonna like when um. Uh, and I think it was the 98 playoffs with the, uh, the Lakers got swept by the jazz mm-hmm. and Kobe, those four air balls. Yeah. Um, they got back home and he knew a guy at a high school. Then he knew the janitor. He mm-hmm. opened the gym for him. Then when they got home at like <laughs> three, four in the morning, he starts shooting. He just starts shooting right oh. then. <laughs> Those four air balls happened like four hours before. That's how that's <laughs> the legend of Kobe, you know, and that's what it sounds like. Dwayne Allman was, yeah, like just play. I just I just want to play. Like kick him out the studio. No, bro, <laughs> I want to play. They said he always had the guitar in his hand. Yeah, like he'd just be sitting there talking and he's just playing. Like it was, you know. Um, but you know that's kind of what it takes to be that good that quick by the age of twenty four. Yeah, Hendrix died at 27. Just keep that in mind. Hendrix and, died in, at 27. And you and like so, well, so we had he had those like word was spreading about Dwayne Allman. Yeah, like you want this guy on your song, and even the point where he's not the lead singer of the band. Yeah, but, but so know, he got signed to a record deal, which was funny. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> like we have to do something with this guy. Yeah, <laughs> we got we got to get something out of this because he's too good. Yeah, I was very happy though when they you know not to insult Hourglass for those Hourglass fans out there, but I was glad when they finally got to a session work because that was what I knew the least about. 
I did not know that he played, you know, in muscle shows, which just shows how good he was because those guys were some players. Um, Jerry Wexler, was that the Jerry Wexler? Yes. Like NWA Jerry Wexler? No, that's Jerry Heller. Jerry Heller. What did Jerry Wexler do then? Jerry Wexler was like a songwriter and producer. I know that name. I knew that name. And I was like, that can't be the that can't be who Paul Giamatti played. No. <laughs> he played Jerry, Jerry Heller. Heller. Okay. Uh, actually, Jerry Wexler is a, yeah, he was a journalist turned producer. Um, and he produced for Ray Charles, the Allman Brothers, of course. Okay. Okay. I think uh, in Ray... He was portrayed by, oh, his name is Richard Schiff. But you remember in the movie Ray where uh, he had, um, I can't remember that guy's name, Ahmet and Jerry Wexler producing for, like, they he ran, like, Atlantic Records or something mm-hmm. like that? I, I vaguely remember. Yeah. Um, with, uh, he, he built Atlantic Records with Ahmet Erdogan. Okay. And he was the one, like... Okay, in Ray, for anyone who's seen it, it was the the taller guy. Ahmed was the shorter guy with glasses. <laughs> and uh Jerry Wexler was the kind of the head of the of the label and basically he <clears throat> he made a lot of good money with Ray, but then Ray got a better deal with ABC Records, so he ended up leaving. But I mean that was that was kind of a kind of a small part. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Jerry Wexler is he's he's one of those uh definitely um you put him in the kind of the same category as like Leonard Chess mm-hmm. and a Barry Gordy. It's an icon. Yeah. One of those guys as far as a record executive and, and had vision. Yeah. I mean understood that Dwayne Alban was good enough to sign to a record deal. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> It was like we got we gotta get something. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so one thing, and I guess you you can only kind of get this from people that knew him, but I felt like this is really the only time they really brought it up outside of maybe his fiery passion and attitude. Watching Johnny Winter. Mm-hmm. Johnny Winter, for those of you who don't know, is a blues legend. Him and his brother Edgar. Edgar was the piano play the keyboard player, did the song Free Ride. Come on and take a free and, uh, ride. The song Frankenstein? Yeah. That's Edgar Winter. Johnny Winter was lesser known, but like in blues circles is like respected. He did the original version of Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo because Rick Derringer gave it to him. And then Rick Derringer came along later and was like, no, nah, bro, I'll take it. Because Rick Derringer played in Edgar Winter's band. Right. Um, and ended up doing the song. But like, you know, they're standing there watching Johnny Winter play. And he goes, I can cut him. <laughs> it's just like it's like excuse me like Johnny Winter yeah I could, I could like that is some confidence and then he did like a year later he was on that stage I wonder how like that he was yeah I would have liked to have seen more of that because <laughs> that's that's some confidence you know but I mean there it wasn't I don't know if there were like like in similar to battle rapping if there were like guys like Going solo for solo, like at the end of um, the end of the crossroads, crossroads. with Ralph Macchio, <laughs> and that's Steve Vai. For those who don't know, who's playing the other guitar line? Yeah, that's a funny part. That's yeah. I remember Josh telling the story about how 
he got laughed at because he went to a video store and asked for Crossroads and they and thought they he the meant the Britney movie. Spears. They laughed. He's like, no, bro, no. Talking about the moment Ralph Macchio with the guitar one. Robert Johnson. Not, not this that I'm I'm ashamed to say I've seen. <clears throat> You've seen the one with Britney Spears? Yeah, it was for a girl. Oh. Freshman year. Uh, of course it was. That and a walk to remember. <sighs> But um, but yeah, man, anyway. he said he could cut Johnny, Johnny Winter. Man, Johnny Winter is a a legend. He was that's that's a legend. Um, and then of course after that they talk about him singing and, and Dwayne Allman's just not a singer, man. He's no. he's not. I he like, carry a tune, but yeah, he's not. He's not. That wasn't what he's supposed to be doing. No, 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 that's not. Yeah. But it was weird. I guess like in this whole uh, the the journey from being you know going out to L.A. and then coming back, it was like. He didn't think that far outside the box, but it was enough. Yeah. It was far enough outside the yeah. box. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, goes out to L.A., doesn't work out, comes back to Florida. They had the long jam session, um, and that is where the line comes from. After So they're jamming for three hours. Wayne puts his guitar down. He goes to the door, says, anybody who wants out of this is going to have to go through me. <laughs> He's going to fight me. Was he drunk? Was he high? Was I, he? I don't. It had to be something <laughs> like that. That's like a weird thing to say. Like, yeah, fight me. Like, I just imagine like, like a, a like a drunk person just like, all right, sit down, Dwayne. Man, you've had too much to drink. No, man, you gotta fight me. <laughs> like long hair and mutton chops and everything. Like, you gotta fight me. Which was, you know, not much is made about his hairdo, but like, was that like that was hot in these streets back in? Yeah, you know, yeah, he was. Greg didn't look like that. You know? <laughs> Dickie Betts didn't look like that, but digress. Um, so, yeah, so right after this is when they talked about how and they and they don't really explain how it happened, but just all of a sudden it becomes cool to be Southern. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Yeah, I guess as far as like the like the counterculture yeah. was catching up to the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. It's like we're a little late on everything, but you know it was we're still here. cool. But the thing that was funny, but just before getting to that, is uh, they meet Phil Waldron or Walden mm-hmm. Waldron. I think Walden. Um, don't remember. But he's their um, manager, and. Their um, their their manager and producer or whatever Walden. Yeah, he managed. She was there who managed Otis Redding. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, so he was looking for something, especially after Otis Redding died, mm-hmm. and he puts together a mm-hmm. uh, a studio or a record company establishes Capricorn Records in Macon. And that's where they moved to. Yeah. And the thing is, they were talking about like, yeah, it wasn't around uh, because it was, you know, it's south of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there. You know, you could get killed in Atlanta. What you was get that? Killed in some other place. He said Tuscaloosa. It, Tuscaloosa. It's like what? there wasn't much going on in Macon. I'm like, you can get, get you can get killed in Macon too. Yeah, you can definitely get killed in Macon, bro. Yeah. I don't know. I I I don't know what. What he, what was, he thinking was thinking there. He was on drugs. I don't know. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> much going on in Macon. Everyone was nice. And and that's the and so I know some people are like, well, Dwayne Allman was born in Florida. This is the Georgia Connection. This yes. is a band that was formed 
and 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 formed and developed in Macon, Georgia. Yeah. Um, and that is where they're based out of. You know, honestly, before we started, I did the research here. I thought that Dwayne Auburn was born in Georgia, not knowing he was from Florida, because they are inducted into the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. So they felt that this was enough of a Georgia act to enshrine them in our highest musical honor. So, but it's where they, where they, this rendition of their of the Almond Brothers band mm-hmm. started in Macon. Yeah. They they first recorded in Macon. Yeah. So they are associated with that town. Yeah. And and as you said, the record company that he started is founded in, in Macon. Macon. So yeah. Um so they uh so they make the first album which was uh self titled, right? I believe so, but don't quote me. Um yeah, Almond yeah, Brothers Band, yeah. self-titled, 1969. They go out on tour, and then they just casually say that the tour manager murdered someone. <laughs> Why is that like that? <laughs> just casually. <laughs> they just said that so casually. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like... He stabbed the club manager. Uh, um, oh, if he stabbed the club manager, it had to be over. They weren't paid the right amount of money or something like that. But still, they just brushed over that, that he just, yeah, so the tour manager stabbed this guy. <laughs> Later cited temporary insanity. Ooh. Yeah, Twigs Light Linden was his name. So, so just... um. Yeah, that's funny. I'm sorry. I just, the way you said it, just casually swept it on the rug. Oh, it's just a little murder, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. That was just funny. I wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah. And it was, of course, like touring manager okay. Twigs Landon stabbed and killed a promoter for not paying the band. Uh, later cited temporary insanity. So, like, they just brushed over that. I mean, I know the focus is supposed to be on Dwayne. Yeah. But still. Like if you're going to include that, you can't just <laughs> you say can't it. And just say it and move on. Brush it away. Um. So like, yeah, Southern counterculture isn't discussed very much. Um, I think so many people who are a part of Southern counterculture, without doing a whole lot of research, this is really just an assumption. <laughs> uh, but it's like the you know, the hippie generation or, or whatever you want to call it grew out of that. The Southern and, hippie, yeah. And then they, a lot of them became um, these kinds of people that rail against it. You know, they're ultra conservative. They, um, they they have certain kinds of views they're in and if you're in you're in the bible belt mm-hmm. so you're probably influenced uh, uh definitely by the people in that particular town the older people in that town or something like that so uh, i get in those not just Macon, but in any anywhere in the south mm-hmm. to where they it's something it was just looked at as a phase to where like those those people in the as that were part of the counterculture it was more of a phase rather than a 
a lifestyle, yeah. if you will. Uh, so I, I feel like it's not talked about much because those people <clears throat> tried to. If, if you if you're if you're not a part of that, you're going to suppress that as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, the Southern hippie is is different than you know what you might have seen up in New York or what you might have seen out in California, um, because you did have. You know, the the Southern hippie, you know, was almost kind of like the, the wild out country boy who can live off of the land, you know, that like that kind of music. And, you know, like, you know, the good old boy might get into a little trouble every now and then, might drink some moonshine, might smoke a little something. Um, and then we go, you know, rock out at the Skinner concert or we rock out at the, you know, at the Allman Brothers concert. They got long hair. It, it, it's, 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 yeah, it's just different, you know, because they could. They're about free love, but there's still, you know, might be a little bit of uh, racism and they're still, but they were, they were still kind of like hippies, but like the, the Southern hippie is just so unique and not all of them, because I mean, I would, I would dare to say our friend Josh was a Southern, is probably still is a Southern hippie. Um, minus the, I don't know, you know he he been in, he been in Boston for a long time, man. Yeah. He'd been up North. Now he's a, he's a, <laughs> a Yankee. That guy. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, he was, you know, Southern hippie. You know, he didn't smoke or nothing like that. But, like, you know, he got down with a lot of counterculture, um, but, you know, also believed in equality. So, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, not to because I'm not ex- extremely well versed on Southern, on Southern hippies. I just knew a few in college, you know, that were Southern hippies and looked into it a little bit. And, and you know, that's kind of what I found you, you would find. So, um, so, uh, they talked a little bit about the, how, uh, Greg wrote Midnight Rider. Yeah. Which is, I know typically now I'm not going to, I'm not a, an expert on the Omen Brothers, but like in terms of popular culture, that's their most popular song. Yeah. Midnight Rider. Um, it was, you know, their most well put together. I mean, it was essentially like a song that you could put on the radio, a lot of their songs are are long jams or have a lot of, you know, long instrumental, you know, parts. Um, Dreams being one of them. It's a long song, beautiful jam, especially if you listen to their version from at Fillmore. But Midnight Rider was just is a really good song. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't I mean, I'm not looking, but I bet it's been used in a lot of movies. Like it just has that that sound, like maybe a scene where someone's driving. And you want to start out the scene, you know, right before you start out that song, right before they're driving and they're driving somewhere like rural. Just, it just has that type of that feel to it. It's a really well done song. Yeah. Um, let's see where it might have been used. OK, I just see some cover versions of it. But <clears throat> um, how that just came out of nowhere because Greg showed to the studio and no one else was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this is the last thing I had because I said I didn't watch the last 30 minutes. <laughs> but uh, uh, Dwayne meeting Eric Clapton mm-hmm. and then him working with uh, Derek and the Dominoes and doing a lot of other things. I didn't know if that – I was I was kind of lost a little bit. I didn't know if that was causing confusion with the Allman Brothers Band or jealousy or, or anything to that regard. <laughs> I but, mean, it didn't seem like it did. Uh, I think it was just like you know, Dwayne's popular. Oh no! I okay. It, it was it wasn't that. It was more of when Dwayne shows up. Now mm-hmm. the rest of Derek and the Dominoes are oh. 
I guess they're put on on notice <laughs> in a way because this guy is good. We know Eric's good, but mm-hmm. this guy here, um, uh, you know, that we we got to step it up. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he apparently he'd heard him from Hey Jude, right, and yes. wanted him to come down there. So I mean, it seemed like it was kind of it was kind of welcomed. I didn't quite understand why when they said that Eric Clapton was kind of tired of being this guitar legend, guitar god. I just I never ever got that impression from Eric Clapton. It just seemed like he liked being that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But um I mean that whole thing like I didn't realize he played on so much of that album. You know, you always hear about like, oh yeah, man, at this like it's like a trivia question. Oh, yeah, the end of like Layla, man. You know that's Dwayne Allman on slide guitar. Like that's you know always a a big thing. Um, but he was heavily he was heavily involved in the album because Eric Clapton's a fan. Like that's crazy. That's like meeting your hero. Like <laughs> you inspired me, man. Like I'm a fan. I'm a fan of you. It's like you know, and then you have as as they described it, you have like these two. You know who had gone to be all-time greats, but clearly two of the best in the biz at the time, sharing the same song and somehow coexisting, which I think is there's not enough made of that. Like they find a way to coexist on the song, and it doesn't sound too busy, it doesn't sound bad. It goes down as one of the greatest songs of all time, and they're like, you know, has there ever even been a song like that before? Where you've got these two really good guitar players sharing a track and doing it respectfully. I can't think of one. But that was also back when guitar players were rock stars. They were, you know, like you knew them. Like that could happen today and you wouldn't know. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy from that band, the other guy from that band. And you wouldn't know who they were. <laughs> you just know they're in a band. But back then, it's like, oh, yeah, that's Clapton and, and Allman. Like that's and Dwayne Allman. You get that back then. You don't get that now. I, was, I just got, kind of thought that was cool. And I kept like thinking of it like in basketball terms because I do that with everything. It's like, oh man, it's like when like D Wade and like and LeBron teamed up to go to Miami. That's all I, I can think of. Like it was, comparison. yeah. It's like they just yeah. Let's and they were in Miami too, which just made him better when they did this. But <laughs> it wasn't happening in Cleveland. <laughs> it was not. It was not. So, all right, y'all. If y'all watch on the Twitch stream, it the cameras have frozen. Um, get some heat. Let me stop. That was that was corny. That was corny. Almost as corny right. as the five. You can see the logo and see if I can fix it really quick. And the- okay, we are back. Let me mark that real quick. <laughs> okay, so we are back, and we're gonna bring ourselves up on the screen here. There we are. Okay. Um. So I was saying, like, I, well, I, I agree with the the, the LeBron mm-hmm. and the Wade analogy. Um, that was the last part I remember mm-hmm. or watched. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess going forward from there, um, so what I mean, else they did talk you have? about the Atlanta Pop Festival and how big of a show that was. Right, right. Um, and you know, Dwayne coming up from Florida um, after a session, which I thought that would maybe weigh on the band. You know, you've got. A, the biggest show of your career thus far and your guitar player stuck in traffic. Yeah. You know, had to hop on a motorcycle <laughs> to get up there. And I'd heard that story before that, you know, that watching that I'd heard about that story before. Um, 
they talked about some of the jazz influences, which I felt like was kind of out of order because you can kind of hear some of the jazz influence their music early on. And they talk about how the drummer introduced them to jazz and he starts getting into Coltrane and Miles Davis. You know, just like he's got he's got appreciation for the greats, you know, which is which is good. And, you know, there's a recording of him talking about, you know, hearing Miles Davis play and just being like, man, hearing, you know, and talking about how good he was. Um, They talk about dreams, which was, um, you know, really, really well done on the the Fillmore album at Fillmore. um, Is it East? At Fillmore East. Yeah, Fillmore East. Um, Midnight Rider then came up after that. Clapton, his work on Layla, the improvisations. Um, So I think what, so the really, the last thing to really kind of before his death is when they made the Fillmore East album, which was, um, released in July of 1971, and Dwayne Allman passes in. Let me get the year. I know it was in 71, but it was in October. So the year they released what is considered, you know, one of the greatest live albums of all time. And I've listened to a lot of it. It's very, very good. Um, and it's and it's partially what made me want to talk about Dwayne Allman and the Allman Brothers Band because. I do feel that Man for Man might be one of the most the most talented band to come out of this state. Were they the most influential? I don't know. I mean, some people might say that award goes to REM just because of how their influence was just so big, not just in the South, but like across the country to where you had bands like Nirvana citing them as an influence. And it doesn't get much bigger than that. <clears throat> but Man for Man... Allman Brothers Band were extremely talented. And one of the things that gets talked about is how you didn't really, it didn't come through until they released that live album. You know, and because one of the things that they're good at is long improvisation. Like just playing a song and playing it and playing it and playing it. <laughs> well, that, that comes off, and, and yeah. I remember they talked about that. It comes off... Uh, as a live band, yeah, people love them. Second to none. They were so good. On the albums themselves, uh, not as much. Doesn't really translate. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard <laughs> to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, so good that even early in their career, supposedly they got the Grateful Dead got booed off stage and they stepped in and, and cut heads as as the old timers say. <laughs> so, you know, they were they were made for that type of music, and I can only imagine the experience of seeing an Almond Brothers band show back in the day. Um, it had to be mind bending. Um, but, you know, I, I think back I think back to albums from the Dave Matthews band. You know, a lot of people, some people might not know, but they are a jam band. Yes. First and foremost. Somehow though, and I mean maybe this just comes down to the producer, somehow they're still able to be successful not only as a jam band that you know people will follow around from city to city and, and make a whole you know, almost a career of it versus they're also able to have radio hits which can be difficult yeah because, it's a fine line you know because you're you're um the the jam band to the uh you know there it's it's a it's improvisation yeah. primarily 10 right? minute songs yeah <laughs> And then you're trying to reduce that to three and a half yeah. in the studio. I mean, it, you kind of equate that because um, I brought this up on Aisha's podcast. And I remember we talked about this. Um, 
when we had Eric on talking mm-hmm. about uh, the movie Hustle and Flow. Yeah. But he said, yeah. why can't these battle rappers make good songs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 a different, it's, they're yeah. basically two different sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and in some ways, the jam band and the the band that plays in the studio and constructs songs, are those are two totally different things. Yeah. Some bands can pull it off. Mm-hmm. And and sell lots of albums. Some bands are, you know, they're 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 just out on tour. Yeah, a lot. And and it's not a disrespect to the Allman Brothers band because they were extremely no, they could good do musicians. Both. I mean, like, well, they they could do both. It was just it was hard yeah. because it is <laughs> because that, yeah, it is. And I I do wonder, like, if you had a band like that around today, would they be widespread panic would they be fish or would they be the dave matthews band yeah. you know widespread panic another georgia band i believe is also in the georgia hall of fame uh georgia music hall of fame is a jam band not really no real radio hits fish another modern day band very popular very well respected but no Up radio hits. Hipsters. yeah but no radio hits dave matthews respected radio hits <laughs> like i don't you know where's the crash you know we talk yeah. about a, a three minute song but even when they play that live it you play the song and that's it they've got their other songs their deep cuts that are the jam songs <laughs> and even you know going to before these crowded streets with a song like stay you know was a radio hit it was on mtv but they also would cut it there's a there's like a two three minute saxophone solo at the end of that song then when the video plays they cut it so that's one way to do it or from that same album crush which is you know doesn't have that is another a radio friendly song that they don't have to edit so but i think we've also nowadays we've we've gotten it down to like a science and i think it was a science that they just didn't have back then like how do you take this live band this band that has like such energy as a live act how do we get that and put it into a three and a half minute song that we and can trying sell? to find the, the the balance of that because a lot of songs then it's kind of a lot of songs now uh, are like two minutes two mm-hmm. and a half minutes but it was written that way the song ends there's no yeah. fade it ends and when I guess going on is people like made songs a little bit longer than we have to then, you know, that was in the early stages of trying to figure out, like, what is a radio edit? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was that's uh, that's definitely interesting. And like I said now, like, like you said, there it's there's a science to it now. Like, OK, we only sing the chorus once or we'll cut out a whole verse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is one verse looking <laughs> at the track list here. So side one. Statesboro Blues, because they love that song. Four minutes and eight seconds. Done somebody wrong. Four minutes and five seconds. But then call they call it a stormy Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. Eight minutes and 31 seconds. <laughs> That's not all, y'all. That's it, That's side But one. wait, there's more. You don't love me. 19 minutes. That is side two. Just that. 19 minutes. <laughs> that is that. That then is we get to side, side three. Hotlanta which is probably where the phrase came from. 
five minutes and 10 seconds. But then in memory of Elizabeth Reed, which is a Dickie Betts composition, 12 minutes and 46 seconds. Whew. But then, but then side four whipping post, which is what we opened the show with 22 minutes and 40 seconds. Just let that sink in. <laughs> you can't put that on a regular album that you record in a studio. <laughs> I forgot these songs were that long. We're not a tape. Because I've, li- I've listened to this album um, along with, because I know they did another release where they had um, some other stuff on there as well. But, I mean, they're playing hot, which is a jazz term for they're playing good. Like, they're 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 killing it. Like, so... I mean, it's definitely an album I would suggest that you check out. It's on, you know, that A Thousand and One Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Um, it's considered one of the greatest live albums yeah. ever produced. It's it's really where, you know, their reputation came from. And I can, I like to know where they would have gone had Dwayne not, you know, died in that, in the motorcycle crash. Um because they were just, I mean, they were blowing up. That was their, you know, it was just kind of like, man, they were trying to find this, how do we get the sound, how do we get the sound? Oh, let's just do a live album. And then it blows up and it's huge. But then you lose, you know, what essentially was kind of like the driving force. Yeah. I mean, like. It's kind of like when we talked about uh, Chicago. Yeah. With uh, their their lead singer that um, uh, that passed, you know, and he was kind of the. Uh, Terry Kath. Yeah. So when he when he passed, it was like he was the he was like the glue guy mm-hmm. uh, or the leader of the group, and yeah. it kind of changed their trajectory going forward. They still yeah. had some success, but and there was still success that the Almond Brothers band had, yeah. but it wasn't. It's different. Like yeah. people look back at um those albums with Dwayne different differently than mm-hmm. what happened after yeah and i mean they still play you know they they'll, they'll have you know i think warren haynes from government mule is a member now i think Derek trucks at one point these are talented guitar players you know who come from that school um of of blues and southern rock and and with these and, and Derek trucks plays a mean slide guitar but you just gotta wonder, you know, what would have happened. Yeah, Dwayne, if, though, yeah. If I mean, was, I, I know people, people would look at like no disrespect to them, but I know they get looked at like that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you do your best to honor the memory. Um, but I mean, you know, that and another unique Southern rock band, Leonard Skinner, was never the same after you know they had some of their members die. Yeah, in the plane crash. So it's you know, it's, it's, like after that, there's a documentary about that on also on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. but. It's like after that, uh, the Leonard Skinner is Ronnie Van Zant. Yep, <laughs> and them, and and them. Yeah. But after that, it's like no one, no one looks at the band beyond that. Yeah, you may look at the Almond Brothers if you're a super fan, of, like beyond Dwayne. But the if you're going to tell somebody about them, then. You got to include Dwayne and you probably don't need to hear anything else. Yeah. Like, honestly, I kind of sometimes forget that Dickie Betts is in the band. And I feel bad saying that because Dickie Betts is a great guitar player in his own right. But you just I really do sometimes forget he's in the band. 
I really do. And I feel bad for that because <laughs> he's, like I said, he's really, he's really good. So, um, anything else you wanted to add on the, uh, on this particular documentary? Mm, well, I guess like in terms of how I kind of felt about it, not enough focus on, and I guess maybe to be fair, I mean, he was in the Allman Brothers band not that long, you know, so I, I guess, I mean, in that case, so it could have been shorter. It was like a two and a half hour documentary. Yeah. But a lot of it felt like filler. And a lot of it was just people who weren't really there when the Allman Brothers were getting big or were big. So I don't know. Like it, It's like they were there on the ground floor, but yeah. we want to hear about kind of the rest of it. Yeah. So like how they how they got there and you weren't really a part of that. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, it wasn't bad. It's just, you know, I think it would have been if they were able to have gotten people like even if it was like I said, the Brian Wilson talking about sharing the stage with them or or like you Eric said, Clapton it, it, talking about the Layla session. It sounded you said <laughs> you told me like uh, it looks like it's unauthorized. Oh, yeah, it had to be <laughs> like it's. Like you couldn't get Eric, Eric Clapton's still alive. Like you can't ask him about, him. Yeah. hey, about the Layla and, and sort other of, sort of love song sessions or, or the other living members. Yeah, so it it left a lot to be desired. It it kind of felt like watching a Wikipedia article come to life, so to speak. <laughs> um, with a few, you know, with a few stories added in there, the you gotta you have to fight your but, way but out. Your sor- and, but your sources. You're limited on your sources. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the got a fart your way out story you, you, you're not going to get from, which is probably the funniest part of the whole thing. You're not going to get that from, you know, or the I can cut him about Johnny Winter. So there were some things in there. Yeah, but, that, that's yeah. something I would I like. Who else did he say that about? Oh, he had. To, that couldn't have been the only person he said. He said that about it. And I mean, like, I'd be curious to hear what some other guitar players think. Do they think he was better than Johnny Winter? I think they were just different. Like, Johnny Winter was just straight blues where, like, I felt like Dwayne, well, not, I shouldn't say straight blues. He had some blues rock, whereas, like, um, Dwayne was blues rock, but then he had the jazz influences in there and, you know, a little bit of country influences as well. Whereas just at Johnny Winter was just straight up like a a blues rock, but maybe more rock blues. Like, Edgar, Johnny Winter was, you know, that was dirty. Not dirty. That sounds bad. But like his guitar tone was dirtier than anything you'd probably hear, other than maybe some of Dwayne Allman's early session work, which was a little bit dirtier. But like you know, once once he got you know he was didn't do a lot of double stops. Double stops meaning like you know playing two notes at one time when you're soloing. Um, Johnny Winter was all about that man. Johnny Winter was like electric blues personified, and he was albino, which is just even crazier. This albino guy just like killing the blues but yeah but this isn't about johnny winter but yeah i'm pretty sure Dwayne Alban probably said that about a few people yeah yeah um so uh that'll do it for our discussion about this particular documentary you can check it out on imdb tv or tubi uh i saw it on amazon prime and then it directed me to imdb tv so uh, you can see it on there as well. It was on Netflix for a while. I remember seeing it on Netflix. I don't think it's on there anymore. Mm. But um, we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, this is a, a singer who's been on 
my earworms playlist i i think twice this might be the third time she's been on here um and she's from the south she's from west memphis arkansas nice uh this is yeba and the song that just came out last week called october sky um i think she's just an amazing vocalist uh this song was also produced by mark ronson mm. academy award winner mark ronson um <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, I I um, I saw a post from Mark Ronson about on Instagram about um, how this song took uh, it took a while for it to come together because he knew how good it could be, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to make it perfect. He's like, this song is a ten out of ten, uh, but then they went through a lot of versions of it trying to find the right. Uh, as, as if it was like the right personality for it. Um, mm. But I like the way it came out. I think Yeba is just an amazing singer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I did mention before, like she could, she might be marketed as, as American Adele <laughs> and that might not be a good thing. Uh, I'm glad they're not going that route. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this is October Sky by Yeba, and we'll be right back. She slid down the hall in her socks and Yale, come outside. No, 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 nothing's wrong. I just happen to have a surprise. So we fell through the door like the autumn. And I wrestled my brother down to his knees Just to watch as a rocket shot into the October sky There's a picture of us In a layer of dust On the mantle Right by smoke since you left cause you said you had to fly in your October sky That is October Sky by Yeba. I like that. I I remember you playing her, but I don't remember her being that good of a singer. Man, like this is like, really good. She is she's awesome. When did this come out? This song came out like last week. 
if this isn't not if this isn't like in Song of the Year nominations, I'm be very upset. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for her album to come out. Her album hasn't come out yet, but the she's she she's getting a little bit of um, notoriety, a little bit of of um, some attention on YouTube because of a live song she did called "My Mind." Mm-hmm. It was not a single. It was like you couldn't you could only see the YouTube video. It was like a live version of the song, and she released that as a single recently. Uh, but I saw like some reaction videos. Yes, reaction videos on YouTube is the worst genre <laughs> of YouTube. But there are a lot of reaction videos of her singing that, and like yeah, her her voice it blo- it, it blows me away every time. What's the name of that song again? October October Sky. Sky. October Sky. Yeah, that was good. You said Mark Ronson. Did Mark production? Ronson produced it. Oof. That don't sound like any Mark Ronson I've heard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not like he's venturing out, basically. Clearly. <laughs> he, Clearly. He is venturing out. It's not just, you know, Motown stack sounding music anymore. Motown <laughs> stack sounding or um, electrofunk. Yeah. Like he didn't have anything else. That was his go to. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was very good. It sounds very similar to something that I just did, actually. I just produced, so. Makes me happy to see that type of stuff is still out there. Yes, indeed. Um, so that'll bring us to the end of this episode. As you can see on the screen where you can find us, where you can listen to us. Um, you see in the show notes, if you want to contact us. We got a lot of things uh, in the works. Um, and we want you guys on the journey with us. Uh, one thing we're thinking about bringing back because uh, we we had it for a very short time a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where it was merch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have talked about that actually. Uh, so, looking at bringing back merch, uh, we de- definitely want to have T-shirts because everyone wears T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other items, um, you know, uh, stickers, coffee mugs, uh, bucket hats. I didn't want to. I wanted to be different. I, I was thinking a about being different hat. than 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 baseball caps, bucket hats. Kind of. The, what is a bucket hat again? It's like the um, with the brim goes all the way around. Not a fedora or a straw hat, mm-hmm. but you know the. I feel like people who wear them like are are also wearing like raincoats or at the beach. or Okay, something. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Almost kind of like the the Van Pelt hat from um, Jumanji. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, I got you. So, uh, merch may be coming. Um, but, yeah, a lot of big things coming. A lot of big things brewing. Um, speaking of which, I may have a cup of tea after this with the new Keurig machine. <laughs> fancy. So fancy. With my pinky up. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other way to drink tea? I mean, <laughs> The only that's the only way I accept. Yeah, if you drink it with your pinky <laughs> down, clearly you're a psychopath. Like something's wrong with you. Yes. <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this has been a fun episode. Um, I'm glad Ben was in a good mood because the Hawks won. <laughs> the series is even now. I would I still would have been in a good mood because we are playing with house money right now, yeah. people. We're pl- <laughs> the fact that we're two and two. With the number one seed in the East after, like, everyone was like, yeah, the first three teams are built different. Makes me happy. So. Uh, yeah. 
So uh, as we end the Georgia series, um, at least for now, yeah, because there there are lots of Georgia artists out there. Yeah. Uh, so until then, what should we end the show with? So I would suggest dreams. I know I mentioned it a couple times. Um, it's a great song. Um, it's just really pretty, very jazz inspired. Um, that would be my suggestion. I will uh, take you up on that suggestion. Yeah. And definitely encourage you all, if you are from the state of Georgia, um, don't ever let anyone tell you that we're just hip hop. Got a lot of great hip hop, but we're more than just hip hop. We're more than just R&B. There's a lot of great music made by people right in your backyard that I would definitely suggest checking out. And not just Atlanta. Yeah. Other, other cities as well. Almond Brothers being from Macon, Butch Walker being from Cartersville. Um, Usher, of course, is from, where is he from? He, he was from, um, he was born in Texas, but, you know, grew up here. And then about Outcast okay. being from East Point, essentially. Migos is from Lawrenceville. Lawrenceville. Mm-hmm. R.E.M. is from Athens, or the B-52s. James Brown is from Augusta. Um, so there's a lot of really good music. I think um, I think uh, Luke Combs, not Luke Combs, um, the other guy that nobody likes from American Idol. I can't think of his name. He's from Leesburg, I believe. Leesburg, Georgia. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of... Carrollton? No, that's... No, that's... Um, that's like no, that's, middle of Georgia. That's... That's... It's Whitesburg, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably yeah. what you're thinking, Whitesburg. So, but yeah, what you know? So, explore your 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 um, Alan Jackson. I'm gonna stop because I'll be here all night. But ex- explore the state, and if you're not from Georgia, welcome to Georgia. Check out some of our artists. We have ushers from Sandy Springs. Bro. Sandy Springs. Yeah, we have a we have a a very um, robust genre, robust um, roster of artists from this state. So, yes. and we've given you just a small taste. So. Yeah, Mastodon's from Savannah. All right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. You're hearing dreams in the background by the Allman Brothers Band. We're going to turn it up, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Peace.